All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Tubes Podcast. It is Saturday, November 17th, 2018. On today's episode of the podcast, we're going to dive into Friday's action uh, around SEC hoops. Uh, I know I usually do the written uh, notebook pieces day after games, but sometimes it's just easier to do the audio version uh, as we are writing like crazy, doing all the game previews, especially this time of year uh, where you have tournament games and you're kind of doing uh, back-to-back days and all that types of stuff. So we're trying to turn around our previews very quickly uh, so you guys know what to expect going into all these different non-conference matchups. Uh, I know those maybe are a little harder uh, to scout sometimes if you're just a fan that, that enjoys watching your team and you don't really want to dive into uh, all the ins and outs uh, of, let's say, a non-conference opponent that you are not going to see again for you know several years or something. Uh, so we try to give you guys some really in-depth game previews to get you ready uh, for what you can expect in all these games. So that's what makes it easier to do uh, the audio version of the notebook sometimes uh, with thoughts on all the games uh, around the league. And I know it is a football Saturday in the SEC, but uh, I would say that looking at the schedule this week's matchups are maybe not as appealing uh, as other weeks as you have a lot of uh, games against non-SEC competition, only several uh, conference matchups uh, around the league this week. So that gives us a chance to uh, look at some good stuff on the basketball side. Uh, It was a a successful Friday for teams around the league uh, for the most part. So let's dive into all the games uh, that took place. We start with the, the early day game, and that was Alabama beating Ball State 79 to 61. This was really what you wanted to see from the Crimson Tide after the way they played against Northeastern. Uh, they just came out in that game and, and looked completely flat, uh, didn't have any sort of energy, enthusiasm. And, and I mentioned it in the preview, you know, Northeastern is not a team you can do that against. We knew that Bill Cohen was going to have his team ready to play. I talked about how just a very underrated coach. Uh, and he did. He had them ready to play, and for Alabama, they just were not able to match that energy uh, that the Huskies came out with. But we did see that energy uh, against Ball State, and that's a positive sign, I think, because knowing how you played on Thursday, that was exactly what you wanted to see because we didn't know exactly which Alabama team may show up. Would it be the one that came out you know, deflated after that loss and then gets beat again? Then where do you go from there? So they avoided that. They had that energy, they had that enthusiasm, and those are huge when you talk about these neutral court games uh, against competition that you know you're not seeing all the time, and you're seeing different styles of play. You're seeing teams that maybe at the mid major level, but have a lot of experience, have a lot of upperclassmen. Uh, they're not sending players to the NBA draft, you know, every single season. Uh, and maybe losing underclassmen to that. So uh, a good win for, for Alabama, I thought. The, the biggest thing that stood out was not only just the way they played, uh, but Tevin Mack scoring 20 points. He goes 5 of 9 from three-point range. Uh, I, that's just – I think you look at Tevin Mack, I just think he, he's got to continue to play because there there's just not a lot of consistent scoring on this Alabama roster right now, and you're seeing players continue to develop those offensive skills We've talked about their defense, um, but but you're seeing guys like a Herbert Jones, um, some of these other younger guys as well. Continue. I mean, John Petty's the same in the same boat. He's still continuing to uh, develop his offensive skills to a point to where 
he can be a player that can take over a game every single night, uh, but maybe not there just yet. And I think you look at a guy like Tevin Mack, he at least brings uh, some of that aggressiveness, and he can shoot the ball. I mean, look, hitting five threes, that's a good thing to have. If you have Tevin Mack and John Petty uh, both hitting from outside on the same night, you're going to feel pretty good about your chances uh, moving forward. So it's good to see that kind of performance from Tevin Mack. I think he's going to continue to get some, some time on the court, and he's going to probably be one of those scores that you're going to have to rely on, as you, especially as you get into SEC play. Uh, and so that was a big sight there, and that's definitely – uh, a positive and an encouraging thing, I think, for this Alabama team moving forward. Uh, the Tide did pretty well. I mean, they got 15 second chance points, and they just have to continue to use that size and athleticism against teams. Dante Hall bounced back, uh, had a much better game. As we said, he didn't play well against Northeastern. He only had one shot attempt, uh, but really came out early and kind of asserted himself, and that's what you want to see uh, from a senior. So uh, Alabama gets the victory. They'll move on to take on Wichita State. Uh, which has produced some interesting matchups over the years between those two teams. Uh, another interesting matchup and maybe one that probably a lot of people didn't get to see, and, and let's just uh, be honest, it wasn't exactly the prettiest game, uh, and that is Missouri beating Kennesaw State 55-52 to uh, there in the Virgin Islands. Um, it just it was, it was on flow hoops. It was just not a, a, a good game for probably either team. I think both teams are going to look at it and feel like there were a lot of things that they left on the table. Uh, but for Missouri, it's a win, and it's not the prettiest win. Like I said, I mean, a 55-52 game uh, that just simply featured some offense that just wasn't good at times, uh, and that may be putting it nicely. But I think the the good sign, and again, you, you kind of look at the as a whole, Missouri scored 19 points in the second half, and they still won the game. So, when you can do that, hey, it's a win. And uh, as we always say, and, and you can even go back and draw the parallels to, to Alabama on this, when you go into these non-conference tournaments and you're going into a neutral court, you're traveling somewhere, you just never know how those first games can go sometimes. They can produce some really sort of wacky and um, you know not good results. And I think for Missouri, getting the win is certainly a positive because now – uh, you advance on, and you feel like, you know, at least you get that out of it. And there's a lot of teaching points that, that no doubt Conzo Martin and his staff will have from it. Uh, but it's just that that's what you get sometimes in these neutral court games early in the season uh, where you don't have a lot of familiarity with the opponent, and you're doing, you know, you're going into uh, these neutral court settings. You're traveling somewhere uh, that's, you know, n- not necessarily close and sort of a, an entire experience there. So, for Missouri to get the win, hey, that, that's what you want, uh, even though it's probably not a game anyone's going to want to go back and watch, uh, except for probably the coaching staff, because there's a lot of stuff you can take away from it uh, and show your team in terms of individual improvement uh, and that type of stuff. But Missouri shot 35.8% from the floor, again, in a victory. Uh, they only shot 3 of 17 from three-point land. That's 18%. And a, a positive, though, you have to look at Kevin Perrier uh, played pretty well at 17 points. Uh, that's kind of what you wanted to see from him. He's had some some ups and downs thus far this season. Uh, he's got to be someone you know that's gonna they're gonna have to rely on just like with Jeremiah Tillman. He had 12 points, nine rebounds. Uh, that's the, those guys. As we said, when Jonte Porter went down, those are two guys they're gonna have to rely on every single night. Uh, they need those two to show up and be kind of a force every night. And so uh, at least that that's something that that they can kind of lean on moving forward here. And as long as those two continue to play well. Uh, you feel like Missouri's at least going to be able on the defensive end of the floor 
to do some positive things um, and if they can just get that offense flowing and be able to knock down shots consistently, uh, that's probably the biggest concern right now uh, with them there uh, going forward. And I know Conson Martin, they're going to continue to try to be creative with what they do. Uh, it's just, as we said, they're still in that adjustment mode uh, from losing Jonte Porter as late as they did into the preseason and now just kind of trying to reshuffle some things. Uh, that's where you add in a guy like Mark Smith. You see what he's going to be able to bring to the table. Uh, so we're still kind of in that phase with Missouri where we don't really know what to expect maybe a month from now, two months from now. Uh, but this is a team that's definitely trying to tweak a lot of things, and there may just be some performances like this uh, along the way. So uh, moving on to Georgia, they get a victory 75-64 over Sam Houston State. Another one of those games where Sam Houston State was up 55-50 to at one point. Georgia kind of made a run, and then from there kind of took over, made plays down the stretch. That's what you want to see because Georgia's still a team that's going to have these types of games where it's not going to be pretty for 40 minutes. And there are going to be times where fans are going to be frustrated and, and they're just going to be some of those plays that happen uh, that kind of shows you this is still a team that's sort of in transition and still trying to completely fit into the new style and, and try to be able to do things you know on a more consistent basis because that wasn't the case last year. We saw the bright spots from Georgia last season, but it just that consistency wasn't there. I think you're still going to have those moments like that uh, where they didn't feel like they, they really played well, uh, maybe on either side of the court for a part of this game at least, where, where like I said, they were trailing in the second half there. Um, and, but, but able to make the plays, and you know Nick Claxton, someone I continue to talk about and rave about, um, he's, just, he's just one of those guys, man. That, that's really the only way you can say it. He's just one of those guys that's going to go out and you feel like can make plays for you on either end of the floor. He had 13 points, 8 rebounds in this game. Uh, Rayshon Hammonds led the way with 15 points. Georgia gets to the free throw line 38 times. I think that's something to keep an eye on because they're not going to be able to win games just from shooting outside. And, you know, they go 4 of 22 from three-point range in this game. They're not going to be able to win games, um, you know, just from that. Yes, they're going to have good shooting nights. Um, you know, Tyree Crump's going to go off, hit some threes in a night. If Turtle Jackson can do that as well, um, other guys that are able to step in and add that outside shooting threat. But they have to win games with guys like Claxton and Derek Ogbede playing well, uh, Rayshon Hammonds attacking the basket. That that's how they're going to need to win. Because if it's if it's a game where they're putting up thirty something three pointers you don't feel good about their chances because they're just not that level of shooting team just yet. Uh, they may get there. Everyone may improve. You know, by season's end, they may be clicking. Uh, they may be hitting, you know, eight or nine threes a night. Uh, but I think that's something we'll, we'll wait and gauge that once it actually gets there. But if they can continue to attack like this and get this type of production from their, their front court, uh, guys like Hammonds and, and like I said, Claxton, Ogbede, they're going to have a chance to, to be physical and really cause some problems for teams. Um, Georgia, I've mentioned many times, the possible sleeper team. They're still just kind of in that situation where they're learning on the job. They're, they're moving into these new roles. Some of these guys are really expanding their roles from what they were last year because of everything that Yante Mayton did. Uh, so we'll continue to see how that uh, works out there for Georgia as they will head uh, to Grand Cayman now for the Cayman Islands Classic. Uh, that will feature... Uh, some interesting matchups there as well, so that'll tell us more about this Georgia team as we go into December. 
next up was Vanderbilt scoring a 79-54 victory over Alcorn State. The Commodores sort of in that same boat in terms of it was kind of a maybe a closer game for, for longer than people thought, um, but they managed to pull away, and we knew that was going to uh, have a pretty good chance of happening because of their talent level. But they pull away for the 25-point win, sort of a sloppy first half. You had some moments there in the second half where you're still going to get this from Vanderbilt. And I said this uh, in a podcast I did the other day. It's it's still going to be a situation where with Vanderbilt, we've seen the highs in terms of going out to USC, getting a victory. We've seen how well Darius Garland, Simi Shittu can play uh, that entire freshman class here in Neesmith. Uh, we're seeing other guys around them like Joe Toy continue to play very well. Um, Toy, you know, had 14 points in this game, continues uh, to to be more consistent than he has in recent years. We know what's possible with Matt Ryan, uh, but you're still going to have frustrating stretches in games from this team because of that youth, uh, because they're still relying on, on younger guys, all the underclassmen, uh, not just the freshmen. You also have, like we've mentioned, guys like Saban Lee, uh, Max Evans, you know, you're having freshmen, sophomores play bigger roles and in games and teams like that, that's just going to happen. You're going to have those stretches where maybe the other team goes on an 8-0 run or something like that because you just, you know, you slack off on defense. Uh, you don't have that same energy level that you had for the previous 10 minutes. And so that's kind of what you're going to see from Vanderbilt. They're able to, it doesn't really matter in games like this where they're just simply able to use their talent to overtake other teams. Um, but that's something to keep an eye on with this team once we get into late December, going into the start of SEC play in January. Uh, they've got to be able to to find more consistency, I think, especially on the defensive side of the court, uh, because it, offensively they're going to be able to go toe-to-toe with a lot of teams because they've got so many versatile options on that side of the court. Uh, if they can get that defense honed in and really get everybody on the same page, that communication, as we know, always important with a young team, uh, I think that's going to really help them going into SEC play because they've got to brace for all of these offensive weapons around the league. And though you've got to be able to handle the physicality, the toughness, and all those sorts of things. So that's what you're going to see Vanderbilt continue to get worked out here as we go through the non-conference portion of the schedule. Matthew Moyer uh, was granted his waiver a couple days ago. He got a chance to play uh, his first his first action. I think he's really going to help them. He's a very athletic player, gives them another solid uh, defender, and that that's going to help, I think, find more consistency there. And so that gives them another piece they can add to the rotation. And I know Bryce Drew has to be happy about that uh, because you've just got another versatile player that, that's very athletic, like we said, can add uh, that size and just just gives you a lot of different things. And so that helps build the roster moving forward, and that will, I think, help uh, some of those defensive issues that probably will pop up a lot throughout the season just because you are talking about a pretty young team there with the Commodores. So um, next up was uh, Butler taking down Ole Miss 83-76. to this was a really good game, and uh, you know it was on Fox Sports 2, I think, and so if you're someone who actually got a chance to watch it, it was a, a very entertaining game, and I think it showed a lot about Ole Miss. Uh, I, I've been one that said it. You guys have probably heard me say it. I just I know they were picked last in the SEC going into the season, but I just I would be surprised if that's where we're seeing Ole Miss, you know, come March. I just I don't see it happening because that that nucleus they do have. With Terrence Davis, who just had an incredible performance. He scored 30 points last night. 
against Butler, just six of nine from three-point range. Just he's becoming a more efficient scorer. Last year necessarily wasn't always the case. You know, he may have had nights where he just he had a lot of shots, but maybe didn't hit a lot of those shots. And I think his percentages as they continue to improve, that makes him a very very powerful scorer for them. Uh, and he's going to have to be the guy that they they you know need as their driving force the entire season. There's no doubt about that. I think we all know that. Um, but that type of performance shows you a lot about how far Terrence Davis is coming. He had 21 points in the first half in that game. Um, you know, so did uh, Paul Jorgensen, and that was uh, that was quite a duel there in the first half. But um, I, I really was was impressed with Ole Miss. It's not a you know I know Kermit Davis. It's not a moral victory thing. They're not going to come out saying hey you know we lost at Butler by seven points in our first year on the job that that's you know we're going to pat ourselves on the back that's not the kind of coach he is and that's not what they're going to be looking for uh but I do think that showed kind of where Ole Miss is at at least early on in his tenure they're going to have a toughness to him and they're going to be able to learn from this type of experience uh but uh, like I said I just I really look at this team and I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the SEC folks I just don't um and maybe you know once sec play gets here maybe there's some things that teams within the conference are able to take advantage of but uh, i just i think there's a toughness to this team winning in oxford is going to be very tough this year um and and i just i like the way they they played in that type of setting butler's not an easy place to play as we know anybody can tell you that it's not an easy place to win it's not an easy place to play uh but Ole Miss pretty much went toe-to-toe uh, from start to finish with them, and I think that kind of showed the toughness. They they did go 13 of 21 from from free throw line. They probably want a couple of those back because maybe that kind of you know shows the game can play out in a different way uh, if you hit a few of those extra free throws. They but 11 of 26 from three point range. Ole Miss shooting the ball like that, they're gonna have a chance to to, to win a lot of games this year. Uh, and you, you get you know valuable minutes for other guys as well. Uh, you know, Blake Kenson got valuable minutes in this type of game. So you're getting these newcomers acclimated to everything. You're getting the returning roster from last year, uh, you know, improving game after game. And I think that's a that's really encouraging if you're an Ole Miss fan right now. Seeing that type of performance, uh, again, they're going to learn from this, and I think they're going to be okay. I'm not saying they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to be where Kerber Davis wants them to be uh, on either side of the court in year one, but I think they are going to make a lot of progress, uh, and that's going to give them a chance to, to kind of be that team that can really surprise some people uh, down the stretch once we get into SEC play. So a couple other games on the schedule. LSU holds off Louisiana Tech 74-67. Boy, you know, we talked to Cody Worsham on the, the most recent episode of the podcast, and, and we – talked about just how this team continues to kind of have those intangibles how they are finding ways to win uh in a different manner seemingly every night and that was another case here with this game uh for instance they go five of 24 from three-point range and they still find ways to win the game even not shooting well from the perimeter right now uh and that tells us a lot about this team we you know we thought that would be one of their strengths being able to, to shoot the ball and have a chance to to beat some teams from outside, but they're finding ways to win. They're attacking the paint with all that athleticism and size that they have, um, and that just that shows you they're they're another young team that's able to find ways to win. And I said this on Twitter: they look like a team that's more experienced when you get in these close games with two minutes left, uh, and it's a single-digit game. It's a five-seven point game. However, you want to look at it, they're looking like an experienced team, and that's a very good thing. 
uh, this early in the season because they're finding ways to win these games. Young teams, no matter how talented they are, you never know what you're going to get, and we've mentioned that with some of these other ones, like a Vanderbilt, uh, some of these other teams that are still in transition. You don't necessarily know what you're going to get in those close games, and for coaches, that can make you very nervous. Uh, but but it's clear that Will Wade, these guys kind of have that awareness, and it helps when you have Tremont Waters on the floor, and he's able to kind of direct everything, uh, put people in the right situations because of all that valuable experience he got as a freshman. He is that leader on the court. You know, he scores 14 points. He only shot 5 of 14 from the floor. Uh, but it's just all the different things that he brings to the table. And, you know, once again, you have a different guy stepping up, being a leading scorer on this team. Javante Smart led the way with 16 points. Uh, you're able to win a game like this with Nas Reed only playing 10 minutes. I think they said in the pregame he was having some, some ankle issues, some soreness. So he only plays 10 minutes in this game, and yet they still are able to win uh, against what I think is Louisiana Tech team, who they've already won at Wichita State this year. Yes, Wichita State's down, uh, but not to the level of where it's still easy to go in there and just pick up a win. Uh, I think Eric Conkle's done a good job with that program. Maybe he doesn't get enough credit just yet, but I think that they're not a team as we they weren't going to back down from this challenge because they had already played at Wichita State. Um, they were not going to back down from this, and they went they went toe to toe for pretty much the entire way. Uh, for LSU, though, only turning the ball over seven times. That's huge. Uh, you're not beating yourself. And that they just continue, again, to find ways to pick up wins, uh, even in these close games. And they've played good teams. You know, you can look around at everyone's non-conference schedule. You can rank them however you want. LSU's played some pretty good competition. UNC Greensboro, uh, a very skilled offensive team. Memphis is better than people think. We talked about that with Cody. Uh, and then you play a Louisiana Tech team like this. So LSU's faced some, some different challenges, but I think it's it's served them well so far, and we're kind of learning a lot about this young team uh, because of all the talent they have on the floor. They are all kind of meshing together. They seem to complement each other very well, and that's helping out big time uh, in these close games down the stretch. So uh, to wrap up, uh, Friday's uh, action was Mississippi State beating Long Beach State 79-51. The Bulldogs at one point were down 26-18 in this game, uh, and then they just go on a huge tear since then and really just took over. Uh, you know, our, our friend Pat Bradley mentioned it on the podcast, and after that point they go 61-25 run uh, to finish out the game. And uh, Mississippi State's kind of in that same spot as LSU. We said that it's their, they're breaking out on the national scene this year, um, and they have used kind of that – that experience from the past couple years to really kind of springboard them into where they are now. And they're, they're finding ways, you know, like an LSU team, finding ways to win these close games. Mississippi State is finding ways to put, to put teams away. And that's what you want to do as a good team. We've seen so many times. You can't let these teams who come in uh, who want to prove something against SEC competition, they know they're not going to get these types of uh, platforms throughout their their conference play. So they come in wanting to prove something, and if you let them hang around long enough, it becomes very interesting once you get into the final couple minutes of the game. But Mississippi State didn't allow that. They did get down early, uh, but they didn't panic. They were able to use that size, that athleticism, to make their comeback, and then from there, they kept their foot on the gas. They did not let up, and I think that's what you want to see from Ben Howland's squad right now uh, because they are. They go from a team that's been one of the least experienced teams in the country the past couple seasons to now finally using all that. Uh, all the bumps in the road are finally sort of paying off, 
and we're seeing that with this team. Uh, I've continued to say it. It's just, boy, their their roster, you look at it, that size and the way they can rebound and dominate the paint is going to be a huge asset for them this year. They grabbed 20 offensive rebounds in this game. Um, and, and like I said, I just they have a lot of players they can lean on because they're going to have to do it from in the paint, like some of these other teams we've mentioned, like a Georgia, uh, you know, like a South Carolina. Mississippi State, even, you know, Ben Howland said before the season he thought they'd really improve from three-point range because that was one of their biggest weaknesses last year. Maybe they have, and it's probably going to you know kind of show up in some of these games. They're going to have games where they hit a lot of shots from outside, but like a game in this particular instance – they go 4 of 23 from three-point range for 17.4%. There are going to be nights where they have those because this is just isn't a great shooting team. You don't have great shooters across the board because you do have a lot of guys uh, who kind of you know earn their way in the paint and are able to attack the rim with either their speed or their athleticism. So you don't want to get in a situation where you're shooting too many threes because I just don't think that's something they're going to be able to rely on necessarily but that's what a lot of teams are going to try to do. They're going to try to make Mississippi State beat them outside because they know they can't match up with their size in the paint. So uh, how that continue to progress is something worth watching here because they're going to have to be a consistent three-point shooting team because teams are really going to force them to shoot that. But nonetheless, uh, a 28-point victory over Long Beach State. Uh, you'll take that if you're Mississippi State. Uh, and now they'll get ready uh, to head to Las Vegas for some uh, interesting games there as well. So That'll wrap up uh, the look at Friday's action around SEC basketball. Only one game on the schedule on Saturday. South Carolina takes on Providence. Um, so that's you can find the game preview for that over to southeasthoops.com, as well as all of our game previews. Uh, we usually put those up. Either you'll find some of them the night before the game. You'll find some uh, going up early morning of game day. So if you're you know we have a team that's playing here soon, you'll be able to find the previews over at southeasthoops.com. A really good slate on Saturday. Uh, with several teams in action. So be sure you head over there and read and check out those so you know what to expect. Of course, if you want the podcast, go over to iTunes, search for Southeast Hoops. That way you don't miss any of our interviews with coaches and analysts all throughout the league. And we'll we'll do more of these notebook type of versions as well. Uh, like I mentioned, sometimes it's just easier to do these in audio form rather than written form because we are writing so many previews uh, and doing a lot of stuff like that. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy that as well. Uh, be sure to stay tuned. All the great stuff we have coming up over at southeasthoops.com. Uh, going to be a fun season. Already has been. And uh, we'll learn a lot more about these teams as we make the march towards the start of conference play in January. So thanks as always for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.